Our gospel reading this morning is from Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 15. Moses writes concerning the righteousness that comes from the law, that the person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will ascend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says, No one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are we to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is the word of the Lord. A man went to visit his friend who owned a farm. And while he was there, he noticed that one of the pigs on the farm had a wooden leg. So he asked the farmer, why does that pig have a wooden leg? And the farmer answered, that pig is the bravest pig I ever saw. So why does the pig have a wooden leg? His friend asked. The farmer explained, one night our house caught on fire. When the pig saw the smoke, he ran inside and woke us all up. He saved our lives. Friend asked again, so why does the pig have a wooden leg? Farmer replied, with a pig that brave, you can't eat it all at once. Speaking of food, which is one of my favorite subjects, how many of you shop at Costco? One of the great things about Costco or Sam's Club or BJ's is all the free food. While you're shopping, you can make quite a meal from the free food that the sample ladies are giving out at the ends of the aisles. There's an old saying that tells us there's there's no such thing as a free lunch, but if you have to go and spend money on groceries anyway you might as well get free lunch from the sample ladies. I'm intrigued by the sample ladies, and most of the people giving out samples are women. There are a couple of men. I've encountered many of them, and yesterday we went to Costco. Don't ever go on a Saturday. It is packed. I would like to suggest to you this morning 
that the sample ladies have something to teach us Christians as we seek to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. The sample ladies do their, their work live and in public. Their samples are hot out of the oven, usually a microwave, and they are right out there so they can meet and greet you and tell us what they have to offer. In our scripture lesson this morning, St. Paul talks about two essential factors of salvation. He says we must believe with our heart and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. We can't just think it, we have to say it. We can't keep it to ourselves. We have to tell others what God has to offer in Jesus Christ. In an article entitled Gearing Up for God, Craig Bird describes what life was like in ancient Rome. He writes, Two strangers meet along a dusty road. Miles pass in pleasant conversation. Obscure references to religious ideas slip into their conversation. The men sense a spiritual kinship, but they are wary of expressing it. After all, Christianity is a criminal offense punishable by death. They stop to rest. Their discussion rambles from the latest war news to the price of bread to the hijinks of the Roman Senate. The younger of the two pushes his walking stick through the dust on the ground as he talks, tracing a half oval. The other man glances at the mark and then into the eyes of his new acquaintance. Quickly, he looks around to see if anyone else is paying attention. And then with his own staff, he traces a mirror image, connecting with the first line at one end, but intersecting it at the other. Together, they have traced the sign of the fish the sign of Christianity. He is risen, he exclaims. He is risen indeed, comes the reply. Despite the danger of persecution or even death, millions of Christians in many lands throughout the centuries have found that they could not help themselves from telling others what Jesus has to offer. They're kind of like that car out there. They can't keep quiet. Even today, in nations from Iraq to China, Egypt to Burma, Iran to Sudan, Christians risk their lives by proclaiming the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord because they can't keep silent. Kind of like that car out there. <laughs> now, the sample ladies in the grocery store aren't risking their lives but a lot of us would be uncomfortable doing the kind of public witnessing that they do. As Christians, we are challenged by Scripture to proclaim our faith publicly, like the sample ladies do. 
The sample ladies know their product. Ask them any question, and they know their stuff. We can't be ashamed of our product. St. Paul asked, but how are people to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? We are called to go out into the world and proclaim Jesus. But too often, when we hear the word evangelism, we shudder. Try to start an evangelism committee, an evangelism committee and see if anyone joins. Evangelism is introducing others to Jesus. It is not converting someone to our doctrine, to our style of liturgy, or our particular agenda. We are not responsible for the outcome of the introduction. The task belongs to Jesus. The introduction we make comes from our own experience with him. It begins with listening, and it continues with conversation. This kind of evangelism requires that we live as Jesus lived, with love, honesty, and humility. Because if we do not, how do those that are lost hear? The sample ladies also know that the best way to offer their product to others is one at a time. Not everyone's going to listen. Not everyone is going to want what they're offering. But they keep at it, one potential customer at a time. Several years ago, Time magazine reported on a new kind of smuggling operation, a different kind of effective Christian evangelism that takes place in communist China. It seems that many American tourists who visit China are smuggling Christian tracts in their luggage. At night, groups of them will cram hundreds of tracks into their pockets and go house to house, leaving the message in mailboxes and doorways and bicycle baskets and windowsills. When the people wake up in the morning, Jesus is everywhere. Like the sample ladies, these Christian smugglers know enough to give out small samples. They're not handing out entire Bibles. They just give you enough to whet your appetite and make you want more. It's the same reason that most television commercials are only 30 seconds long. They don't tell you every detail about the product. Just one or two things to make you curious enough to try it, to buy it for yourselves. One of the reasons that most of us don't like those infomercials on television is that they're too long, right? One of the reasons that most of us groan to ourselves when the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons ring our doorbells as we know that if we let them in, they'll want to sit and talk for hours. If we're going to learn from the sample ladies how to effectively tell others about Jesus, we need to learn to do it in small doses, leaving people hungry for more. At the same time, the sample ladies are like the Energizer Bunny. They keep going and going. They don't even know how many people are actually going to buy their product. They just keep on cheerfully handing out samples. We Christians may never know the effect we have on other people. 
We may never know that we've been the influence to bring the Holy Spirit into someone's life, but we have to keep trying. In the second volume of his book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Jack Canfield tells of stopping to watch a kid's baseball game in the park near his home. He asked a member of one of the teams what the score was, and the boy replied with a smile, 14 to nothing. Really, Canfield said? I have to say you don't look discouraged. Discouraged, the boy asked. Why should we be discouraged? We haven't even been up at bat yet. One final thing that we can learn from the sample ladies is, very simply, to smile, to have a good attitude. Nobody likes a grumpy sample lady. No matter how good the food looks, sample ladies who constantly wear a frown rarely attract a crowd. Same thing holds for us at church. You're not going to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ effectively with a frown on your face. You're not going to attract people to the church with complaints or criticisms or quarrels. We are Christians because we've experienced the love of Jesus in our lives. That love ought to be contagious in all that we say or do. Trinidad Hunt tells the story of his grandmother, who became a widow after 50 years of marriage. For five years after he died, she retreated from the world, grieving for her husband. But then one day everything changed. She told her grandson Trinidad, I finally know why God took your grandfather and left me behind. Your grandfather knew that the secret of life is love, and he lived it every day. I haven't fully lived it. That's why he got to go first, and I had to stay behind. God let me stay so I could turn my life into love. From that day on, Trinidad says his grandmother was a new person. Her life was a wonderful adventure. For the last 12 years of her life, she filled every room she entered with joy and love, brightening many lives by her sunny attitude. One day, when Trinidad went to visit her, she told him what had just happened with his uncle. She said, this morning, your uncle came, and he was so angry and upset, but I didn't even flinch. I received his anger, I wrapped it in love, and I returned it with joy. It was even kind of fun, and his anger dissolved. There is a prescription for those of us who want others to know about our Savior, Jesus Christ. Receive the words, the emotions, the needs of others. Wrap them in joy and return them in love. One of our dearest friends, Chris Selry, died at the age of 54. Chris was an incredible Christian and a member of my church, very devoted Our twins, Caitlin and Andrew, went to school with Chris's son, Brian, all the way from nursery school through high school. Andrew and Brian played basketball together for seven years, so we saw Chris at every game. For the two weeks before he died, I talked to Chris on the phone, and I will never forget the conversation that we had. I asked him how he was doing, and he said... I don't know how much longer I have to live, but I do know 
that every day is a gift from God. We talked about our kids, and then I said, Chris, I miss you. The phone went silent. I didn't know if we had been disconnected or if Chris had gotten off the phone. About 30 seconds later, the conversation resumed, and I realized Chris was crying. And he needed to collect himself to continue the conversation. He said, Fran, I love you. I love Bill. I love your kids. And I am spending the rest of my life telling people how much I love them. That's something we can all do. For the rest of our lives, we can love others and we can let them know it. They will truly know from our example that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let us bow for prayer. Lord Jesus, help us to believe in our hearts and proclaim with our mouths and with our lives that you are our Savior, you are our Lord. Amen.